Hi everyone, it's Kelly, and I'm excited to discuss the subject of intermittent fasting with you on this episode. Intermittent fasting is perhaps the oldest and most powerful dietary intervention imaginable. What would you think if I told you that by simply changing the timing of your food intake, you can potentially benefit in the following ways. Increase fat burning, lowered insulin and blood sugar levels, reverse type 2 diabetes, improved mental clarity and concentration, increased energy, improved cholesterol, extend your life, activate a cellular cleansing process called autophagy, reduce bodily inflammation, improve appetite control, and have an easier time maintaining the weight you've lost. These are just some of the many research-based benefits that intermittent fasting can provide. I'll talk you through the ins and outs of intermittent fasting and help guide you into implementing this pretty darn amazing practice into your daily routine. Much of what I'm going to talk about is based on the work and research by Dr. Jason Fung. Dr. Fung is a Canadian-based nephrologist, a kidney doctor. He's a world-leading expert on intermittent fasting and low-carb, especially for treating those with type 2 diabetes. He's written several best-selling books, which I'll provide links to in my show notes. Before we get into intermittent fasting, I need to tell you a bit about the hormone insulin. Bear with me here. This is going to get a bit scientific, but I'm going to really try to summarize it as best and as simply as I can. When you eat and your body breaks down your food, the glucose or the carbs from the food goes into your bloodstream for transport to your cells. Glucose gives your cells the fuel they need to do their job. Insulin is a hormone that tells your cells to accept delivery of glucose for fuel. When your body gets the signal that you've eaten, the pancreas produces insulin, which is the hormone that tells your cells to absorb glucose. When insulin signals to your cells that fuel is coming and your cells respond by receiving the glucose from your bloodstream, you get the energy you need and you don't store body fat. However, when you don't have any insulin, as in the case with a type 1 diabetic, or more commonly when you produce too much insulin, which causes our cells to become desensitized to insulin, as in the case with those with PCOS, insulin resistance, prediabetes, and type 2 diabetes, communication gets thrown off and your cells don't allow all of the glucose in. The glucose has nowhere to go but to hang out in your bloodstream. The body does not like too much glucose hanging out in the bloodstream. Once the body senses that glucose has been hanging out in the bloodstream for a while, it stores it as fat for later use because it thinks your cells don't need it right now. In summary, insulin is the big daddy hormone when it comes to fat storage as well as fat loss. I'm Kelly Clark, business owner, boy mom, dog mom, nurse practitioner, book nerd, self-improvement obsessed, and a self-proclaimed recovering candyholic. After years of practicing ER medicine as a nurse and then as a nurse practitioner, I decided that I could do a lot more good working with people to prevent the diseases that brought them into the ER in the first place. It was then that I started my business, Medical Weight Loss and Wellness, where we promote and educate on the many benefits of a ketogenic lifestyle. A decade later, we have two locations and I employ 30 passionate and amazing women who have become a second family to me. I have found weight loss medicine to be incredibly challenging and immensely rewarding. It is one of the most complex areas of medicine due to how intimately intertwined the relationship is between our metabolic physiology and our personal psychology. In Confessions of a Candyholic, I will pull the many dynamics of weight loss together through the telling of my personal stories, the inspiring journeys of our patients, the experiences of my nursing staff. I'll even drop some keto knowledge and I'll discuss matters that can help improve your life. Change is hard, but it is only through change that we can level up to become the best version of who we are. It would be my pleasure to hold your hand as we all work together to become better versions of ourselves.
Now that I've provided you the lowdown on insulin, I'm going to explain just how intermittent fasting works. Think of the body as having two different and opposing states, the fed state and the fasted state. In the fed state, insulin is elevated. Insulin elevation then signals your body to halt any fat burning and instructs it to use the glucose consumed in the form of carbohydrates and even protein to an extent to first provide energy to your cells and second, to store the excess glucose in your fat cells. All calories, whether in the form of protein or carbohydrates will elicit a rise in your insulin levels. Protein intake does raise insulin, but carbs raise it more. Of note is that the macronutrient fat raises insulin the very least. Now on the flip side of the fed state is the fasted state. During the fasted state, insulin is lower. When insulin is low and you are in the state of nutritional ketosis, the body begins to mobilize stored body fat from your fat cells and then uses it for fuel or energy. We refer to this mobilized fat as ketones. The entire idea behind intermittent fasting is to allow the insulin levels to go down far enough and for long enough that we burn off our own body fat for fuel. The practical importance of all this? You can only burn stored body fat while in the fasted state, and you can only store more body fat while in the fed state. While eating keto, you reduce the amount of potential storage, but this doesn't guarantee weight loss unless we can drive insulin down enough and for long enough to burn fat for fuel. The longer the intervals we drive the insulin down, the longer periods of fat burning. Between meals, as long as we don't snack, our insulin levels will go down and our fat cells can then release their stored fuel to be used as energy in the form of ketones. We lose weight only by allowing our insulin levels to go down. Again, and I can't stress this concept enough, the entire idea of intermittent fasting is to allow the insulin levels to go down far enough and for long enough that we burn off our fat. A quick side note in regards to what I just mentioned, the snacking between meals must stop. We are not two years old. We do not need a snack, okay? I can't emphasize this enough. You will never drive your insulin down long enough to burn body fat if you continue to snack between meals. A caveat to this are diabetics who are transitioning to keto and need medication management as they change their diet and begin to lose weight. They may need a snack to prevent or in the case they experience a low blood glucose level. The rest of us do not. We need to get the idea that we must have a snack between meals out of our heads. Back to intermittent fasting. In an article published in the New England Journal of Medicine in December of 2019, an in-depth review of the science of intermittent fasting states that fasting is evolutionarily embedded within our physiology, triggering several essential cellular functions. In summary, the article states that flipping the switch from a fed to fasting state does more than help us lose weight. The researchers comb through dozens of animal and human studies to explain how simple fasting improves metabolism, lowers blood sugar, lessens inflammation, which improves a range of health issues from arthritic pain to asthma and even helps clear out toxins and damaged cells, which lowers risk for cancer and enhances brain function. The article is deep, but worth a read. I will attach a link in the show notes if you'd like to explore further. Intermittent fasting is a more advanced technique and not for everyone. If a patient has a history of an eating disorder, has difficult to control diabetes, is a child, adolescent, or over the age of 70, has chronic heart issues, is pregnant or nursing, or has a below normal BMI, intermittent fasting is not recommended. 
For those of you interested in intermittent fasting, I suggest you first have program experience and a confident understanding of the MWLW plan. In addition, you must be keto or fat adapted to truly benefit from intermittent fasting. In other words, your body needs to be familiar with using its own fat for fuel. And this can take doing the program and maintaining the state of nutritional ketosis for a good three to six weeks. Otherwise, you do run the risk of feeling lousy and really hangry while attempting to intermittent fast. Ready for the dirty details? There is a huge misconception that intermittent fasting means you consume less food. It does not. You are consuming the exact volume of food that you should, but you are doing it within a specific window of time. Intermittent fasting can be done in many different ways. At MWLW, we recommend the 16-8 model, which involves daily fasting for 16 hours and feeding for 8. Again, food volume remains the same. However, you are consuming all of your required proteins and vegetables within an 8-hour window. Here's an example using the 16-8 model. You wake up at 6 a.m. You have lunch at noon. You don't eat again until you arrive home and have dinner at 7 or 7.30 p.m. Essentially, you are splitting the volume of food you consume between two meals rather than three and doing it all within an eight-hour window, never skimping on volume. Generally, we recommend intermittent fasting be done daily or almost daily. The more, the better. And a reminder, no snacking between meals. This allows more time for insulin to be driven down and for fat burning to occur. Some other considerations when it comes to intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting will be of no benefit to your weight loss if you haven't been compliant with keto and in that state of nutritional ketosis for a minimum of three to six weeks. Unless, of course, you are someone that has always skipped breakfast. In that case, your body is used to a prolonged period of fasting upon waking up. If you are someone whose body has been trained to expect breakfast for most of your life, it may take upwards of one to four weeks of intermittent fasting to adjust. Be patient and give it time. Your body will eventually acclimate. If the 16-8 ratio seems overwhelming, then start with a 14-10 ratio, which then may allow you to have more of a light breakfast, a later lunch, and then dinner, and no snacks. Do this until you're comfortable, and then take it a step further by transitioning to two meals within the 10-hour window, and when and if you're feeling ready, progress to the 16-8 ratio. Throughout human evolution, we were hunter-gatherers. Rather than eating a large breakfast first thing in the morning, we would hunt and gather throughout the day, having a larger meal later in the day. I highly recommend mimicking this pattern by eliminating the breakfast meal. However, there is still significant benefit if you choose to reverse your fed state by having breakfast and lunch and eliminating the dinner meal. As long as you are achieving that prolonged period of fasting, you will still benefit. There's a ton of debate in the keto space as far as what you can have during the fasted state. At MWLW, we base our recommendations on research as well as clinical experience. We recommend during the fasted state, you may have the following. Water and plenty of it. Decaf coffee or tea, but no cream. Adding cream to your coffee breaks your fast. I'm a purist in this department. The goal of intermittent fasting is not to play some kind of minimal caloric game. The goal is to stay in a fasted state. If you consume calories, you are creating an insulin response, no matter how small. It takes frighteningly few calories to increase insulin and sabotage your fast. If you are experiencing hunger pangs and cravings as you begin experimenting with intermittent fasting, have a cup of broth, but not bone broth as its protein content will break your fast. And I would suggest not doing the broth unless you absolutely need to. Also, no faux sweeteners added to your beverages. I hope I have helped you to understand the benefits intermittent fasting has when it comes to weight loss, but this podcast wouldn't be complete if I didn't touch on what I consider to be the most significant benefit of intermittent fasting. 
autophagy. In 2016, the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine went to Yoshinari Osumi for his discoveries of mechanisms for autophagy. Just what is autophagy? Autophagy means self-eating. But rest assured, this is a good thing. Autophagy is the method by which our body cleans out damaged cells and toxins, helping us regenerate newer, healthier cells. Over time, our cells accumulate a variety of dead organelles, damaged proteins, and oxidized particles that clog the body's inner workings. This ongoing damage accelerates the effects of aging and age-related diseases because cells aren't able to divide and function as they normally should. Because many of our cells, like those in the brain, need to last a lifetime, the body developed a unique way of ridding itself of those faulty parts and defending itself naturally against disease. Enter autophagy. Recall how I talked about when we are in the fed state, insulin rises, and in the fasted state, insulin levels go down. When we don't eat or fast, insulin goes down and glucagon, another hormone released by the pancreas, goes up to help stimulate the breakdown of fat. This increase in glucagon stimulates the process of autophagy. In fact, fasting provides the greatest known boost to autophagy. By stimulating autophagy, we are clearing out the old junky proteins and cellular parts. At the same time, fasting also stimulates growth hormone, which tells our body to start producing new cellular components to replace the old. We are really quite literally giving our bodies a complete renovation. The process of autophagy is unique to fasting, something not found with simple caloric restriction or dieting. In addition to intermittent fasting, the ketogenic diet also gives you an edge when it comes to autophagy by allowing the process to begin shortly after we consume our last meal prior to our fasting phase. As if I didn't provide you with enough information on the many benefits when it comes to intermittent fasting, the final item I have to mention has to do with autophagy and some pretty darn cool emerging cancer research that is going on right now. Cancer is a leading cause of death worldwide and its incidence is continually increasing. Although anti-cancer therapies such as chemo and radiation have improved significantly, it still has limited efficacy for tumor eradication and is highly toxic to healthy cells. More and more large-scale and long-term studies are being conducted using a ketogenic diet and or intermittent fasting coupled with conventional cancer therapy, chemo and radiation. The studies so far are incredibly promising. They are showing when a ketogenic diet and or intermittent fasting is used together with chemo or radiation, the effectiveness of treatment is improved while also protecting normal cells. In addition, the studies are showing reduced side effects associated with chemotherapy. Current and future clinical studies will focus even further on what stage and which cancers respond the best. This is emerging research, and there will be much more on this subject in the coming years. Well, I've said a lot on the subject of intermittent fasting. Remember, you want to be keto-adaptive when you attempt to intermittent fast. I recommend you speak with one of our nurses prior to initiating this protocol. We will be happy to go over it with you and assure you have a good understanding of how it works and how it can be implemented into your life. Additionally, we want to make sure that from a medical standpoint, you are a good candidate. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast, please share it with friends and consider giving it a five-star review. Until next time. Bye.